we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. I want to invite you to remain in this place of remembering what has been done, what has happened this week. And even as we shift our focus to moving toward the good things of life, it's okay for us to acknowledge that there is still evil and wickedness in the world. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to practice sitting with our suffering, even as we shift our focus to the good things that God has done and will continue to do. And when you and I can be in the presence of suffering and still shift our focus to what God has been up to, we can realize what God will continue to be up to. And that is the redemption and salvation of us all. So we're going to practice sitting with the suffering of our neighbors in Uvalde, of our neighbors in Buffalo, in Ukraine, because God is powerful enough for us to sit with the suffering of another and yet hold on to hope. I'll be real honest. When I was thinking about Sharing a message with you guys this weekend about God's hope was really hard as I thought about those 21 families whose lives are changed forever. But I found hope in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we sit with those who suffer, let us also hang on to hope Let it be ignited in our souls so peace can be experienced and healing can begin. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we come to you a broken, a sad, and grieving people. We sit with the suffering of our neighbors in Uvalde, Buffalo, Ukraine, and all over the world, God. We acknowledge that there is an evil in this world that we cannot explain, nor will we try to explain or provide solutions. But God, we sit in the suffering with others as we hold on to your hope. And God, we trust that even as we cannot explain the evil in the world, God, you are so mysterious in the fact that you stitch us back together in miraculous ways, even as we move towards your goodness. And so, God, we sit with those who suffer, and we look to the hope that we find in you, and we seek refuge in you. Amen. All right, guys, we are going to go ahead and wrap up our series, Rooted. There's my table. It's amazing the things that we lose. All right, I've really enjoyed this series, Rooted, but I'll be extremely honest. We can't talk about being rooted in the ways of Jesus without sometimes finding some behaviors and beliefs and practices that we have in motion in our own lives that may need to unravel before we can even think about becoming more rooted in the ways 
of Jesus, right? And if you've missed any of the messages, I wanna encourage you, go back to YouTube, go back on, on our website because you can find them all there because this has been a great series as we figure out how to follow Jesus more closely. The following week, we really unpacked what it looked like and sounded like for us to experience the authentic power of prayer. After that, we talked about what honoring really looks like even when we are honoring those that are not easy to honor. And then we really unpacked what it looked like and sounded like for us to add voices to our own circle, allow other ideas come from others to our own circle, and then how to add value to others. And then last week, we really looked at this idea of wisdom and desire and how when you and I make decisions, our desires or our wisdom is what is informing those decisions. And this week, what we're going to do is we are going to pause and we're going to create intentional moments to remember what God has done through the stories of Moses and Abraham and also through our own story. Because when you and I can pause to remember what has happened on our behalf and what has happened in our own story, you and I can live in a realization that God is not done with us yet. And Memorial Day weekend is a weekend where we are doing just that, right? We are pausing to remember what was done for us on the beaches of Normandy, what was done in 9-11, what was put in motion at Pearl Harbor, what was done by medical professionals and teachers all throughout COVID and what is still being done by teachers today when they step into a classroom to care for our kids. We remember what was done when our friend asked us to come to worship, when someone sat with us during a chemo treatment, when someone sat with us in AA. When you and I pause to remember what has been done, you and I are connected to why it was done in the first place. And what I love about remembering is remembering always involves the telling and reflecting of stories. And on Memorial Day weekend and all throughout our lives, there's a number of ways of which we can remember the stories that have come before us and remind us of those that are gone but never forgotten. One of the ways Matt and I remember is we do this community workout called Murph. And it's named after Lieutenant Michael Murphy. And before we do this workout, and it's a really long workout, it was his favorite workout, but before we do this workout, sometimes we listen to the phone call that was made by Lieutenant Michael Murphy. When he couldn't get any reception where he was, he stepped out into the line of enemy fire, knowing what his fate would be, all so he could sacrifice himself and save his team, and one survived. I cannot even imagine what it would be like to be that one person that survived. And the sobering thing that happens when we remember what was done for us, we are connected to why it was done for us and it starts to ignite purpose and motivation even in our lives. And there's a lot of reasons why good things are done for us. There's a lot of reasons why God does amazing things just for us to have a path to the abundant life that he calls us to. And one of the reasons is in John chapter 15, 
Verse 12, this is so fitting for Memorial Day weekend. But Jesus says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So here's the thing. Every time someone has laid down their life, soldiers, first responders, teachers, Jesus. And every time someone has spent their time investing in us to better our lives, that is the moment that we have love, agape love and motion in our lives. But you and I, even when we remember those stories, we sometimes forget. We forget that we are loved and worthy and chosen we forget all of those things. And it's because we can get so immersed in ourself. That's my problem all the time. We can get so immersed in the tragedy of life and the drama of life. But here's the thing. When you and I don't pause to remember what God has done through stories in this Bible, through our own personal story, we can forget how God can redeem our current story today and the story beyond. And so here's what we're going to do to wrap up our series, to become rooted in the ways of Jesus. We're going to ask two questions. And the first question is, why do we forget the good things of life, especially the way God has loved us? And the second we're going to ask is, what do we gain when we remember what God has done? But our first question, why do we forget all the good things that God has done in our life? Right? So in your message notes, number one, this is the spiritual and emotional reason. We are a forgetful people, right? Raise your hand if you have lost your cell phone or keys in the last seven days. Yeah, all right, that's a lot of people. Raise your hand if you've lost your cell phone or keys today. Yes, it's true, right? We are just a forgetful people. There are physical reasons why we forget. One is because we're in a hurry. I think since pandemic, so many of us have overcompensated our yes because we said no so much that we are so busy that we don't take intentional moments to pause and reflect on what God has done in our lives. And when we don't pause to reflect and remember what God has done, we have a really hard time seeing what God is up to now. How about this? Here's another physical reason that we forget. Sometimes we are present, physically present in a moment, but we're not emotionally present in a moment, right? How about rest? How many of you get enough rest at night? And I get it, right? Sleep deprivation is one of the reasons that we forget. I know as a parent, I've been a parent since 2006, that's the last time I got sleep. And I walk around at least once a week, I'm saying, I forget my own kids' names. Does anybody else do that? Seriously, at least once a week, I'm saying, hey, uh, firstborn, do the, uh, do the thing that I told you to do this morning. Do you remember that thing? Please remember that thing. Right? It's a psychological truth that we are forgetful people. And some things just don't make it to long-term memory. And so many times we are replacing our old memories with new ones before we ever realize we have forgotten one. What about this? Did you know that when you experience trauma, one of the symptoms is forgetfulness. We are a very forgetful people. And let me show you what I mean. 
by the Israelite people. We're going to start in Exodus chapter 1, verse 9, but let me give you a recap of what's been happening in Genesis, the book, right before that. You and I can make a really big mess out of things. I know I do all the time. When I forget about God's promise for me to live an abundant life, for me to be called into a blessing. And we're going to see that with the Israelite people. So in Genesis chapter 12, if you want to see the original promise that was made to Abraham, God promised Abraham that he would be a great nation. He would bless Abraham. He would make his name great. He would bless those who blessed Abraham and he would curse those who cursed Abraham. And all the people on earth would be blessed by Abraham. That is a pretty tall promise. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, Jacob had Joseph. Joseph was one in 12 brothers. And it was, he was so favored by the Pharaoh that he was put second in command in Egypt. And so the Pharaoh invited all of Joseph's family to come live in Egypt. Because then at that point, not only had Abraham's family tree been living in the blessing and the promise of God, but also another people and another tribe was able to look at them and say, you're a blessing too and highly favored. Come and participate in what we have here. When we fast forward a couple of hundred years, we see that the promise that God gave to Abraham is not as visible as it had been generations before. A new Pharaoh comes on to the scene. And we see the new Pharaoh saying this in Exodus chapter 1, verse 9. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. We must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they're going to join our enemies, fight against us, and then they're going to leave. And so in that moment, the Pharaoh made a plan to begin to oppress them, enslave them. And one of the ways in which he did this is he ordered all Israelite-born boys to be killed. You can't get much worse than this. In response to this requirement that Pharaoh put on his people, we see in chapter 2, verse 3 in Exodus, a mom put her baby in a basket and float her baby down the river because she knew the baby would have a better chance away from her. And as God's great mysterious irony would have it, none other than the Pharaoh's daughter found that baby and raised that baby, naming him Moses. Moses grew up watching the cruelty and the violence and the trauma being perpetuated against his people. And from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 14, where we're going to really hang out today, we see moments where God is coming to Moses. And with Moses, reflecting on the stories of the promise that he had given to Abraham. And in the process of reflecting and retelling all of those stories about Abraham's promise, somehow Moses got the motivation and the inspiration to do what God was calling him to do and live into the purpose that God needed him to do, which was lead the Israelites into freedom. In chapter 14, verse 12 of Exodus, Moses had led everyone out of Egypt. But the Pharaoh, even though he released them, 
changed his mind and sent 600 people to retrieve the Israelites. Can you imagine living a lifetime of oppression and evil only to be released and then to look up and see that there's an army coming after you to put you back into slavery? I cannot even imagine. And in this moment, the Israelites do something that I am so prone to doing. In your message notes, number two, here's a reason we forget the good things that God has done, is I focus on what's been done recently instead of what's been done consistently by God over time. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 12, as the army is closing in on the Israelites, they look at Moses and they say, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So right then, even though they had just been released from their life of oppression, all they could see was the moment that was closing in on them. And they would have rather died as slaves than take their chances as free people living in God's abundance. And I think you and I are the same way. So many times life closes in on us. Our health, our relationships, our jobs, our displacement. And let's be real, right? There are some moments in life that hit us that they are so paralyzing that we become blind to every single moment outside of that. Uvalde, Buffalo, Ukraine, any war that's ever been fought. I can't even imagine. Health diagnosis, a chronic health diagnosis. You're probably even going through a list of things that have happened to you in this year that you've wondered if you would ever be able to make it past that, let alone see five minutes beyond it. But here's the thing, when you and I can sit with the suffering of that moment and shift our focus to what God has been doing consistently over time, somehow, and I can't explain it, but it makes the recent present trauma a little bit more bearable. And I don't know about you, but I could use some moments that are a little bit more bearable. Another place that we only focus on what's been done recently instead of what's been done consistently over time is in our relationships, right? And I'll give you my own marriage as an example of that. I have a fantastic husband, and I also have an amazing therapist. And Matt and I had just come out of a pretty tense season, and I was sitting with my therapist going over all of these things and negative frustrations and negative interactions that I had had with my husband. And my therapist said, okay, you got to stop, which is something therapists usually don't do. And it shocked me and I paused and he looked at me and he's like, bro, everything that you have mentioned is a fixable thing. And he invited me to stop and look back and start telling him about moments that Matt had gone above and beyond the call of being a husband and a father and human. 
And the most interesting thing happened. As soon as I started doing that, all the negative frustrations that I had sunk to the bottom of my reality and everything that Matt had done that was good had risen to the top and I had access to those in a way that I had not as I was just sitting in my negativity. It's okay to sit in those moments. But we have to do the hard work of shifting our focus to what has been done consistently over time. And when you and I can remember what's been done consistently over time, we can remember that God is up to something good, even in our present. Which brings us to the next thing of why we forget the good things that God has done. And that is I focus on the negative events of my life over the positive events of my life. And let's be clear. When the Israelites were being led from their slavery into freedom and an army came after them, that is a bad situation. But I think many of us in here can say we are no strangers to bad situations. It's just something that we experience because evil is present in our life. But you and I are not the sum of our tragedies, traumas, and disappointments. Even if numerically those moments outnumber the positive. I can't explain it, but when we are able to acknowledge the terror, the horror, the trauma, the problems, the issues, the challenges of life, when we can be present in that moment and shift our focus to the positive things that have been happening in our life, you and I, when we see the world and our relationships through the positive lens of what God is calling us to, you and I can begin to be a positive contribution to the world around us. Shifting our focus to the positive does not mean that we're going to have an easy life. It just means that when we remember that good things happen for us because of what God did, we can start to realize good things are on the horizon even today. God creates an exodus for us all. I encourage you to go back through Exodus chapter 2 through 14 the whole time. The Israelites are struggling with how they can trust God in their own crisis. Even Moses needed a pep talk consistently. And one of the unique ways God would do that would be to tell stories of what God had already done for his beloved chosen people. And in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, when you and I can trust God completely, we know that God fights for us. So after Moses had struggled with his own trust, we see him answering his people in verse 13. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. We can get so busy focusing on the things that worry us. We can get so busy fighting battles that have already been fought and won. We can get so busy fixing things that are already being worked out when all we need to do is be still and remember that the Lord is fighting for us. So much can change and we can gain so much when we remember that one thing. Be still. So our last question that we're going to wrestle with is what do we gain 
when we remember the good things that God has done, even as we sit in the reality of our today. And I think one of the things that we gain is exactly what Moses is talking about here in chapter 14. When we are able to pause and remember what God has done through Abraham, Moses, and so many stories in the Bible, then we are able to pause and also reflect and remember what God has already brought us through, our world through, our family through, our relationships through. And when you and I can do the hard work of remembering what has been done, we can live in confidence that God's not done. That's a beautiful thing when we realize that we're not in the fight alone. So one thing that we gain when we remember in your message notes, we gain the knowing and understanding that God already fought and won the fight for me. And when we can remember the fight that's already been done on our behalf, we can realize that we have the energy to do what God calls us to do because we are not in the fight alone. And another thing that we gain when we remember is that I have access to the freedom that God has already provided. So that means that there's no thing, there's no situation, there's no relationship that could ever hold us captive that God has not already provided a way out of. And now when we talk about freedom and captivity, please know that we understand there are just moments that people are not physically free. There's still human trafficking, oppression, unhealthy power dynamics. And again, our friends in Ukraine and regions all over the world are fighting for their basic, their basic right to exist. And that deserves a conversation in and of itself. So that's not what we're talking about today, even as we move forward and hold those people and moments and our thoughts and prayers. What we're talking about today is more our mindset. And the fact that you and I can do some pretty counterproductive things when we think that we are not free. And here's what I mean by that. Have you ever gone somewhere, usually a public place, and you see someone frantically pushing open a door that clearly has the word pull beside it? Listen, these are the people that I never help. Because I will stand there and watch them push on that door as long as I can laugh out loud at them. And if that makes me a bad person, that's okay. These are my flaws. But here's what I really love. The moment that that person looks at that door and sees the word pull, and then they gently pull the door open, you literally see the anxiety leave their body, peace set in, And they look around and they realize they had access to the freedom that was on the other side of the door. All they had to do was change how they saw the door functioning in their world. Okay, the other scenario is this. They don't figure it out and they don't read the word pull. And so random stranger, not me, right, because I'm still laughing at them. Random stranger has to walk up and gently pull the door open And for both of them, you see the anxiety leave their body and peace set in their body as they both realize that they had access to the freedom on the other side of that door. They just had to change how they saw the door functioning in their world. 
This is where we and the Israelites are so much the same. The Israelites and even Moses needed constant reminders and help remembering what God has done so they could live in a reality and confidence that God was not done with them. So many times, the key to us getting through some of the most difficult moments in life, relationships and situations, is not the problem and solving the problem. It starts with us shifting our focus and how we see God functioning in our world and in our relationships. And when you and I can remember and see through stories like the Israelites that God was functioning then, we realize that God is functioning now. So in your message notes, the last thing that we gain when we remember that God is with us, is we remember that I am worth fighting for. And here's the tricky thing about us. As soon as we say the word worth, connected to the person of who we are, so many times, so many people start remembering all the wrong things. You start remembering all the reasons why you shouldn't be loved, why you're not worthy, why you're not valuable, why you don't deserve to be fought for. And if that is you, I'm going to encourage you to pump the brakes on all of those negative things. Because here's the other thing about our worth. Our worth has absolutely nothing to do with what we did, what we will do, or what we're thinking about doing. Our worth is completely wrapped up in the all-encompassing love that God has already poured out for us. It doesn't matter what we thought, did, or will do. We are grounded in the fact that we are loved so much that God would send his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have life ever lasting and we can experience life everlasting on this side of eternity sometimes all we've got to do is just pause and create moments to remember what God has done and God is so good to give us stories all throughout his word so that we can connect to why God loves us now and in the moment of remembering and realizing, you and I can become deeply rooted in the ways of Jesus. God was so good to remind Moses about his purpose by helping him remember the promise that he made Abraham. And God was so good when he sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we would not have to pay the price for anything that we have done or will do. So here's what we're gonna do. We are gonna come to this table, but we are going to put in motion this practice of remembering before we come. Because every time we come to the table, it's a memorial service. And at memorial services, there are things that we celebrate. And yet there's also things 
that we carry with us that are pretty heavy. So you and I are gonna put the practice of remembering in motion in our minds and hearts right now. And so right where you're at, I wanna invite you, if you are comfortable, please close your eyes as we do this practice of remembering. And with minds and bodies still, eyes closed if you're comfortable. I want you to leave whatever struggle or maybe even celebration that you have right now, leave it in the present. And I want you to venture back and remember a story or a time when you have experienced God's goodness. Maybe it's not a time, but maybe it's a person that has shown up for you and loved you in immeasurable ways. And you've experienced the love of God and peace and hope through them. Maybe it's a person that you picture right now. Whatever that thought may be, grab onto it and hold it in your mind and in your heart. And here's the other thing. You don't have to have anything figured out about God before you come to this table. But if that's you and you're still figuring things out, we love you, you're welcome here. Maybe for you, you don't think about the first two things. Maybe for you, you can remember a time where you felt your life change for the better. Spend a few more seconds capturing a memory where you've experienced God's goodness. And as you remember the good things, God does something miraculous and hope is ignited, peace is experienced and healing can even begin. So now I invite you to open your eyes. Whatever you thought about, whatever picture that you had in your mind, I want you to carry that picture and that feeling and that memory with you as we move to this table. Because again, this table is all about remembering what God did for you through Jesus. Doesn't matter what you did the night before, done in your past, or may do in the future. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.